Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Hey, good morning. Good morning. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Let's take a walk. Let's take a walk. If you and I were going to take a walk today, where would you um, where would you invite me to walk with you? Do you have a favorite route? Do you have a favorite place? Um, I'd love to know. Where um, Where's your favorite place to walk? Maybe it's a walk in the woods. Maybe it's a walk around the park. Maybe it's a labyrinth. Where do you like to walk? Maybe because it's so bloody hot outside. You want to go walk in the mall? Uh, yeah. Where do you like to walk? Do you like to, um, is there a particular, I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe there's a beach. I don't know. Where Where would we go for a walk? If you and I were going to go for a walk today, where would we walk? You can text me, 877-933-2484. Where would you and I go for a walk today? If we were going to walk near my house, I would just take you to Burns Park. If uh, if you and I were going to um, walk one of my favorite stretches of beach, we would be uh, on Indian shores in uh, on the west coast of Florida. Um, if we were going to walk in the woods, whew, I like the I like the smell of of the of of kind of I mean it sounds maybe weird, but like the decaying leaves sort of mixed with the pine straw. So I need a I need I need a woods that's you know wide enough to walk in because. You know, I don't want to be doing a million climbovers, and um, yeah. So there you go. So um, where would we be walking? Where would you take me? Are you going to take me walking uh, somewhere that I need snowshoes? Like, let me know. Eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. Where are you and I going to go for a walk today? If we were going to walk, so a lot of people walking. Uh, these days, I'm I'm actually uh, gathering this information from Religion News. Which apparently, you know, walking became um, a, a spiritual discipline, an exercise of the faith. Uh, during the pandemic, people took this on because they couldn't do some of the other things that they had been in the practice of doing. And so they started walking as a as an exercise of faith. And so I thought to myself, you know what, that's a really good reminder of all the places in the Bible where we are encouraged to walk by faith and not by sight, where we are encouraged to walk in the light and uh, not in, in in darkness. Psalm 1-1, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. First um, John 1, uh, verse 6, if you say that you have fellowship with God and yet you walk in darkness, well, you're a liar. You're not practicing the truth. Um, how about the 23rd Psalm? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Um, or, you know, around Christmas, we also often talk about the passage from Isaiah chapter 9. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Uh, those who live in a dark land, a light is going to shine on them. That's that's Jesus. Um, we talk about all the places. Think about all of the places um, where it describes, you know, Jesus walking from place to place or 
you know, as he was walking or walking on the water. Um, you know, uh, maybe we would think about um, in, in the book of Genesis, you know, God walked with them in the cool of the morning, right? In the cool of the day, in the Garden of Eden. That's what God was up to, um, you know, walking around with them. Maybe you think about Enoch, who walked with God 300 years. That's uh, Genesis chapter 5. I mean, it, people who are described as walking with God. It, it, it even says of Enoch, Enoch walked with God, um, and and God loved him so much, God took him. Like, Enoch is one of the only people that we're aware of that uh, doesn't experience natural death. God God actually took him. He just, he just, lo- he doesn't, it's not that God loved Enoch anymore, but Enoch loved God <laughs> a lot, supremely. When Abram was 99 years old, uh, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. That's Genesis 17, 1. Um, when you think about walking, are you walking with God today? Where are you walking with the Lord? Are you walking in his ways? Are you walking by his spirit are you walking by faith and not by sight? Are you walking out your faith into the world that God so loves and doing so um, in ways that honor Jesus? We think of um, Micah um, not only walking with the Lord, but encouraging us to walk in the name and the fear of the Lord forever and ever. Um, he has told you, O oh man, this is Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, to do justice, to love kindness, and to do what? Walk humbly with your God. So how's your walk of faith today? If you and I were going to go for a walk, where would you invite me to walk with you? Um, let's walk together. Let's walk by faith today um, and honor Jesus. Remember the conversation that we had, uh, it's been a couple of years now, with um, with representatives from the Hope Farm School? Well, I thought uh, it would be, it's time. It's time we we check in and check up and find out what's going on there. You know I love to till the soil of the conversations of the day. Um, you know I do a Friday farm report every week. You know that I am encouraging us to cultivate the culture, to be culture gardeners. So the Hope Farm School is all in that spirit. And so we're going to talk next with Libby Bird from the Hope Farm School and find out what's going on as they're growing up um, kids in, um, in really, really wonderful ways. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, we're talking with Libby Bird today from the Hope Farm School. You can find what we're talking about at Hope farmschool.org, also on Facebook. Libby, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Happy to be here, Carmen. Thanks for having me. Yeah, what is the Hope Farm School for people who missed the prior conversation that we had with you guys, which is which has been a minute? I heard that. Um, it is a school in Stockholm, Wisconsin. We're about an hour and a half away from the Twin Cities in Minnesota. And it was actually started by my father who grew up on a farm in Iowa. And he felt like he's a, he's a lawyer now. He doesn't even work on a farm, but he felt like everything he learned was like discipline and work ethic and all of that he learned growing up on a farm. So he's actually since then started a school in the inner city 
a really successful school, um, private school, Christian school for kids in the inner city, but just saw that there were some that they would come in late and they were too behind or they just slipped through the cracks. They couldn't handle the bigger school. And he thought maybe what they need is the same thing I had to grow up on a farm and to be in a really positive environment, to get out of the city and away from their friends, to have stability and to um, finish their high school education and to be told that they're valuable they're valuable. And so that was when the Hope Farm School was born six years ago. That's amazing. That's amazing. Okay. We want to know, um, uh, so in those six years, like this has, this has grown, this has deepened, this has widened and some have graduated. Like, so talk with Mm -hmm. us about some of those stories. Yeah, I think we have. So we're pretty small. Our goal is a little bit more quality versus quantity. Cause like I said, the students we have, are the ones where there's too many, they just, they get, they disappear. You know, they fall through the cracks and they slide by. So right now we're at 18 students. I think we've had seven graduates and they're doing all sorts of things. One of them went into the National Guard. Another one wanted to be a mechanic. So went to a two-year mechanic school, just graduated and actually came back to work here, which has been wonderful. He's been doing a great job. Another one is in his second year of college. Uh, One of them went into commercial roofing. Um, we have some construction workers and it's, what's really fun is that we just don't have a lot of students so we can be talking to them as they're here. You know, what are you interested in? What do you want to learn? And then help them get to where they want to be after they graduate. We want to talk with you about the model. Um, people definitely want to know like how this works because these are students who, it's my understanding, you know, these, these are public school students, and yet this is a really unique um, learning environment, and it's a living environment as well. So when we come back, will you talk with us a little bit about, like, how this works? Absolutely. All right. Awesome. We're talking with Libby Bird. We're talking about the Hope Farm School, hopefarmschool.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. I, uh, I love this model of, um, of living together in a farm setting um, with generations of people like in a family setting where you learn how to not only um, collect the eggs but um, but cook for yourself and um, it's a it's just a incredible um, learning environment so it's called the hope farm school you can find it at hopefarmschool.org libby bird is with us today she is one of the six bird kids i don't know that's it's like a flock of birds i'm sure you've heard that before <laughs> Um, Jeff Bird is her dad, one of the founders of, um, of the Hope Farm School and Hope Academy, which you might be familiar with if you are in, um, in South Minneapolis. So we're talking here about the reality of inner city life. Lots of, um, young men 
in the inner city, it's not that they just lack opportunity. They actually lack the kind of um, formation that comes by living in, you know, in a home with an intact family with sufficient resources and opportunity and somebody to just put their arm around that young man's shoulder and help him grow um, in, in into the godly person that, that the Lord has created him to be. So it's quite a vision, um, the Hope Farm School. I, I love that it's small. I think it works because it's small. So um, when we talk about the uh, the 18 students who are there now and the and the seven who have already graduated, you know, that's world-changing, Libby. You change the life of one young man. You you change the world. Yeah, and actually, uh, we talk about it kind of like how, you know, Jesus only took 12 disciples and he spent all his time with them and then he sent them out into the world, you know. And we're already seeing that. Like I said, we had one that graduated and came back. And honestly, it wouldn't have been the one I would have thought to come back, but he has a way with so many of our students because he grew up very similar to a lot of them. And some of the ones that other staff say, you know, we just don't get this student. He's like, oh, I totally get him. I totally connect with him. Just send him to me. And it's been amazing the impact he's already having on the younger students and the newer students here. It's so great. Talk about um, the the path to Hope Farm School. Like how does a student get from life in um, you know, South Minneapolis to the Hope Farm School. What, what's the route? The route is all over the place. I mean, we've done some radio shows where they hear about us and contact us through family or friends. We sometimes go to churches in the inner city and just give, talk to people and say, hey, if you're interested. And we really try to get younger students because we want the students to want to come here. A lot of times once they get to 15, 16, they're like, I don't want to go, mom. I, I, I want to just hang out with my friends and do my thing. And so we really want to get kids that are at risk but aren't really in that yet because we're not a reformatory. You know, we want them to have a lot of freedom. We want them to be able to run around and, and enjoy the farm, enjoy that freedom that they can't have in the city because it's not as safe. Um, so yeah, so they just call us up and my mom will say, you know, maybe I've had older kids that have gotten into trouble or my my kids, you know, starting to struggle in school. And so then they give us a call and they come on down and visit. And then we talk with the parents and say, you know, you, all you have to do is be supportive and drop your kid off on Friday and pick them up on Sunday. And we'll take your, if he, your student wants to come, he comes to the farm. So that's amazing. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that these um, students are mostly in the public school system in Minneapolis, and obviously this is an expressly Christian um, experience that they're invited into. How how does that work? Yeah, so we get some of them from private, some from public, some from charter, and we're very clear, you know, we say, yeah, we really believe that that God has a plan for you, that you have a purpose, and that's what we believe here. And a lot of the families are really receptive to that. A lot of them have faith um, or grew up with faith. And some of the students come in with, with no, you know, they're kind of embarrassed. They're like, I don't know anything about this. And we're like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, but they do learn a lot while they're here and they get a lot of support. And one of the students one time said, is it a requirement to be a Christian to graduate? I'm like, no, <laughs> but you're going to get a lot of that. You're going to be surrounded by that. All the workers here have a faith and then can share that. And that is totally incorporated. That's part of the incarnational living experience that they have while they're he- here as a student. And what they decide to do with that is their decision. 
Yeah. So I like uh, if you guys visit hopefarmschool.org and you actually click on student application, one of the things that is going to be described here is this new way of learning. Um, You know, if sitting in a classroom isn't your thing, you're smart, um, but, you know, you're wiggly. It actually says you need to keep moving. I'm thinking about, um, you know, people who they don't just learn by information being imparted from one person at the front of a classroom, but they, but they learn by doing their hands on. Um, and, you know, and they're talented. They just may not be talented in the same ways that we reward in, um, in the systems of education that we have, uh, the rhythm we've been in as a country for a long time. Um, they, they want a future that is outside and beyond what they have seen and experienced um, just within the several block radius where most of their life has been lived in South Minneapolis. And this gives them an opportunity to spend time in a garden and in a barn and in a field and to live in a place where um, you're safe um, and it's challenging, but where you can grow in the wisdom and stature, um, you know, every single day. Um, and so it's it's so inspiring. It's It's such a wonderful... Um, wonderful opportunity. Um, it thrills my heart to know that it's happening, and I just want to continue to celebrate it. And so if you're listening right now and you know a student, you know a family that this would bless, um, what's maybe the ideal age? You talk about, you know, how, how I guess, how young can you be and, um, and yeah, come to our the Our ideal age school. is middle school. So we say about 12 to 14. It's a really crucial time where a student or a kid is really deciding what the, their path is going to be, and they don't realize it at the time. But we find that it's a lot easier to get them at that age than to get them a little bit older. Totally. No, I get that. I totally get that. They're still they're still asking the questions and they're still a little bit wide eyed. Um, they're not they're not quite as stiff necked and cynical. Like I get that. I totally get that. Um, Libby, when you think about um, what's going to happen today on the farm, can you just describe the day to us? I mean, I know that it's summer. So is it year round? Maybe that's a good question. It's year round. We get we have some time off in the winter because there's not as much to do on the farm in the winter. That's kind of our longer break. Yeah, we're here all summer. It's our summer program, so we're not in school, but we do a little bit of reading and math. And so what we do is we'll wake up at seven, we go out to the garden for an hour and we weed because it's really nice and cool. We have breakfast and we do a little bit of math and reading in the morning just to stay sharp over the summer. And then we'll split up into five different groups and do whatever needs to be done. We'll move the cows, feed the chickens. Um, I think today we had to check the bees um sometimes we have to like build a fence or a lot of different stuff you know today is really hot so they might get out of some chores today so they'll be excited about that so probably this afternoon we have a pool and so they'll probably all hop into the pool because it's going to be super hot and then we also have some ceramics experts here so there's going to be some kids doing pottery in the afternoon and then we have sports at four and dinner and free time and then bedtime just having a schedule and following a rhythm and knowing um, that there's going to be breakfast, lunch, and dinner, um, like removing some of the worries or concerns that you might have um, if you are living in a single, single parent household in South uh, Minneapolis. And um, yeah, I just I just appreciate all of that. Um, and so we wanted to platform you know it again and say thank you and encourage people to check it out. HopeFarmSchool.org. All the links are there. You can get in touch. You can make a visit. You can recommend a student, um, and and you can certainly pray for what's happening and support their work. Um, yeah, one of the ways that you can support the work of the Hope Farm School is also um, you know would also feed you. 
I mean, I like I like this right at the top of the page right now. Um, you can buy grass fed beef and humanely raised pigs. Mm-hmm. Pork, right? I don't. I'm not actually getting a pig. I don't want a pig, but I might want pork. <laughs> you could get, you know, it's bulk pork, so you could get a half a hog or a whole hog, but it will be butchered and in pieces when you get. <laughs> yeah, because I I have a farm and I don't want a pig. Like I appreciate <laughs> that someone else is raising them. Um, what a joy, Libby. Thank you so much. I hope you'll come back. I hope you'll just start jotting down some stories so that when you come back, you can, um, you know, you can you can tell us some glory stories about what God's doing uh, with with young men on the Hope Farm School. Um, it just it's so it's so wonderful. We really appreciate it. Absolutely, Carmen. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. All right. Again, that's Libby Bird from the Hope Farm School. You can check it out. Hopefarmschool.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right, I'm loving all the uh, all my text messages this morning. Remember, you can text me, 877-933-2484. Nikki and Carolyn both say they love visiting churches when they travel. That's uh, in relationship to an earlier conversation we had this morning. And in response to my question about where we would go for a walk if I were with you walking, JoJo says Lake of the Isles in Minneapolis. Anne in St. Paul says we would go down a hiking trail in a state park on the North Shore. Uh, Bob uh, says we'd go to the old city uh, of Riga in Latvia. Cecile, uh uh-oh, Cecile sent me a picture of where we would walk. There you go. Uh, So I won't try to articulate where that is. Um, So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Others of you are saying uh, we would uh, would walk in a park near your house. There is uh, a friend here who says, you and I are already taking a walk today. So there you go. Yeah, walking with you right now. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um, how spiritually vibrant is your home? Think about that for just a moment. Um, how spiritually vibrant is your home? Think about your home and who lives there. Think about the power of what happens um, at your table, what happens when you're sitting together um, doing nothing. Um what what who's invited in um the hospitality that you show and share um how you deal with trash and messes and disagreements how spiritually vibrant is your home we're going to talk with Don Everts about the spiritually vibrant home um and we're going to we're really we're going to really hone in on what it looks like for you and I as people of faith to cultivate a spiritually vibrant home through spiritual conversations, even in this digital age. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Don Everts is back, among other things. He's the author of The Spiritually Vibrant Home, The Power of Messy Prayers, Loud Tables, and Open Doors. Um, yeah, one of my favorite people in the whole world. Don, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Well, thank you. And it's always my it's always a happy day when I get to spend the morning with Carmen. I mean, seriously, you're just a delight. I love what you're doing. Um, and I love how you're doing it. So let's talk again about a spiritually vibrant home. What defines a spiritually vibrant home and um, and how can we cultivate one? Yeah. So uh, we worked with the smart folks at Barna Research Uh, on this project. And so they define it in a very particular way. Um, They, we, we surveyed all kinds of people across the U S 
And uh, we're asking, we just looked at people for whom their faith was really strong for them. And so we're looking at a group of people who, who are kind of vibrant spiritually. And then we asked them gobs of questions about their life. And then the smart people at Barna said, do these folks have anything in common with each other that is different than folks who don't say that their faith is really important to them in their household? And we found three uh, what we called uh, vibrancy characteristics, that's kind of a mouthful, but basically like what are three habits that correspond with your faith being really important to you? What are three things that are common in households where that's the case? And three things we found, Carmen, uh, these are households where they apply spiritual disciplines. So they have some kind of word life and prayer life together. Secondly, they're households that engage in spiritual conversations so they talk about their faith or their lack of faith and then thirdly and this was the surprising one for us they're households that extend hospitality and so those were the three characteristics that corresponded with having a more vibrant faith being nurtured and that that faith is actually growing within the household i appreciate the way that um they're distinguished from uh, from a household that might have one or two of these characteristics. And so I think about the devotional household where, yes, there are spiritual practices. There, um, you know, there is Bible reading. There is, there is prayer, but they're not entertaining strangers. They're not having people from outside um, their, their family in their home with any kind of regular rhythm. Um, and they're, um, there may be uh, those that are what you then describe as hospitable, but not mm-hmm. devotional. Like, Ray, I know a lot of those people where, you know, that's the party house. That's where everybody goes. There's people in their house all the time. But it's um, it's not uh, a, a home that is um, uh, that's that's guided by a, a people, a household of faith that's guided by the word of God um, saturated in scripture and, and, you know, and showing hospitality in a, in a way that we would describe as, you know, within biblical bounds. Um, and then there's those that are dormant. What, what is a dormant household in, in terms of this conversation? Yeah. I mean, that's a household where faith isn't growing. Either faith isn't mm-hmm. important uh, to the people who are there, or it's just not, they're not growing in their faith. And, and, and so those were the two things we were looking at where our households, where they say their faith is really important to them and uh, that it is growing over time. So dormancy could be, I mean, and you know how this can go, Carmen, you know, we, maybe we go to church or maybe we, you know, we have some, some habits of faith, but it's not like we're growing in our faith. It's not like our faith is a living part of who we are as a household. It's not like we're maturing over time. So that's what we would call dormancy. And, And you're right about, you know, each one of these three habits that we found, the research says corresponds with having more vibrant faith and your faith growing. But the researchers also found that where all three are present, that's the juice. <laughs> There's something that happens when not only are you in the, you know, doing devotional things, not only are you having conversations with each other about your faith, but you are also a hospitable household. There's something about those three things being in place. And they don't even have to be in place Carmen, in like a really impressive way. (laughs) It's not like you have to be hitting home runs in all three areas, but the fact that you're engaged in all three of those things 
just something happens and faith grows in that context. You um, you had a learning lab for all of this. You called it a class, or it was a class called Households of Faith. It was it was year long. You you learned a lot during that class about not only what was happening um, in the households of those who participated, but the hope that they had, which then also yeah. gave you hope. Um, you know, in terms of cultivating spiritually vibrant homes, can you can you talk about that? Yeah, you know, we were just getting in the data. We were just getting it um, analyzed. The book wasn't written yet. And so I just took the findings and some of the relevant scriptures about households, which it turns out there are gobs, and we can get into that if you want. But I took all that and had a class of about 40 people on Sunday mornings. And I went in kind of nerdy, Carmen. I, I mean, I, I was like, hey, look, let's look at this graph. Let's look at these findings. <laughs> and what shocked me was that people started crying. There is something so intimate, so vulnerable about the household, about people's children, their grandchildren, about even single people who were in the house, who were in the class. What, what, what is my place in people's households? And as we looked at the research, what it had to say, as we looked at what the Bible had to say, it was very emotional. It was very intimate. Um, and it was very healing. A lot of people have wounds about their household or they have doubts about how they've done raising their kids or they have lots of questions because they still have kids in the household or they're single and they wonder, do I get to play? <laughs> do I get to be involved in households? So I learned a lot in that class about how how important the household is to everyone and how freeing and healing it can be to take both a critical look, you know, through the lens of research and a hopeful look through the lens of the scriptures about what God has to say about households. It, it, it made me um, really redouble my efforts and realize how important this material really is. We're talking with Don Everts. The book is The Spiritually Vibrant Home. And yes, we do have copies to give away today. You can text the word book to 877 933 Eight four. Um, I want to. I want to dive into and unpack um, what the Bible says about our homes. Um, there are there are tons of passages related to that. So maybe just hit a few. Yeah, you know when when you start looking for it, there's a lot there. There's over twenty one hundred references to households, explicit references to households in the scriptures, and and so some of what we find is that. Are that, that God sees households. That's one of the one of the themes throughout Scripture is that God sees and relates with households, and not just with individuals. And a lot of the passages that we're used to reading about, like the twelve tribes of Israel, you know, and these twelve men, individuals who struck out. Actually, it was them and their households. You know, we're mm-hmm. used to thinking about Noah, who the, you know, this strong man who stood up to the you know culture around him. Actually, it was Noah and his household. Uh, and, and and so time after time, one of the things we see is that God invented households and he designed for us to relate with him as households. You think of Deuteronomy 6, right after God gives the Ten Commandments, he's giving the law on Mount Sinai. And what does he say? He doesn't say, now, you know, have classes where you talk about these things. Nothing wrong with classes. But what he says in Deuteronomy 6 is, I want you to talk about this in your household. When you're lying down, when you're walking along the road, when you're sitting down to meals, talk about these things with each other. And so God wants to relate with households. We're, we're like working with the grain. 
We're moving with the grain when we try to relate as households with God. We also see in the scripture that households sometimes rise and fall together, that there's there's a way that uh, when people within the household are faithful or are trying to follow God, that things go better for the rest of their household. And when we struggle or when we are disobedient, the sober reality is that that also affects our household. Um, the beautiful side of that, Carmen, is that what we also see in Scripture, another theme, is that God uses households. Like, households are like a tool for him. Uh, they're, they're like missionary outposts. There are ways that people find hospita- hospitality and, and learn about Jesus. They are places where people find love and acceptance. So um, the households are, those are just a few things that we see about households in those over 2,100 occurrences. Um, I was... Uh talking briefly yesterday about um, when Jesus sends out the 72. um, And, you know, he talks about, you know, where you stay when you arrive in town. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I was just asking the question, like, would, would I have been, (laughs) would I have been (laughs) one of those households? Like, would, would we be ready, um, you know, to receive somebody that God sent to town? Um, you know, would yeah. we would we be not only ready to welcome them in um, and offer them a place to stay, um, but for as long as they were there, would we, you know, feed them and shelter them and provide for uh, provide for their needs? Because they literally took nothing with them on those journeys. And, yeah. you know, and when you arrived in town, you were just supposed to, you know, find find the person of peace and, and go stay with them. Yeah. and. And stay with them in, until God called you to move elsewhere. And um, that's real hospitality. And those were households that were prepared to be used by God in ways that had never happened before. And so that's, that's, some of, that's some of the surprise and delight, I think, that God has for us as households of faith today. Absolutely. And the irony, I don't know if it's irony or what it is, but I know like as a parent, Part of my temptation, because I want my household to be spiritually healthy, my temptation is to close my household off, to isolate mm-hmm. us from the, from the worldly world around us, right? And because I think that will help us stay more spiritually healthy if I close us off. Inter- like the impulse is very understandable, but the research actually tells us that isolation is a risk factor, spiritually speaking. And that opening your door, having more people in your home, whether they're believers or not, actually nurtures the faith. So uh, we have certain impulses, but you're right. What you describe is a beautiful thing. Like, would I, is my household that kind of household? Yeah. So that's Luke 10. For those of you guys that are looking for it, I might have misspoken both yesterday and earlier today. Um, Don, um, let's continue this conversation in just a moment. If you've got a particular question and you're listening right now, you know the text line's always open. 877-933-2484. We are also giving away copies of the book today, The Spiritually Vibrant Home. If you're interested in a copy, text the word book to the same number, 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. 150 million people, 150 million people actively use one particular app every month in the United States of America. I want that to be the Faith Radio app. How about you? If you're wondering how you could be encouraged in your faith at any time, anywhere, well, I got good news for you. There's literally an app for that. You can listen to Faith Radio live, any show on demand, no matter where you are at any time of the day or night. 
Download the free Faith Radio app right now. It's super easy. Just text the word app to 877-933-2484 and click the link. Let's connect faith to life. All right, if you dive into the spiritually vibrant home uh, by Don Everts, one of the things you're going to find in here are like uh, sections on like literally like how to do it. Like how how do I have spiritual conversations? Um, how do I cultivate those? Who who would I be talking with, and what would I be talking with them about? Um, what about our the prayer life in our family? Like how do I cultivate that? How do I help the other members of my family actually like relate to God? People um people only know what they know, and they've only experienced what they've experienced. And so if we're not cultivating it in our homes. Um, in terms of these spiritual practices and this rhythm of hospitality, they're not going to know it when they leave our home. And so in terms of the way we send out future disciples into the world to go and do likewise, they they need to grow up with it. Um, We just talked about the Hope uh, Farm School, and we talked about the need of young people in inner city Minneapolis to have an experience that is different than the one that they've been raised in. If you've you've literally never, um, you know, you've never lived in a, in, a, in a place of peace. It's hard to be a person of peace. If you've never cultivated a garden, it's hard to know how to cultivate a garden of righteousness in your own life, like on and on and on and on and on. So we're talking with Don Everts. The book is The Spiritually Vibrant Home. We do have copies to give away. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. Um, Don, as, as we as we dive into this book, um, I, I really, I love the meat of it in terms of teaching us, actually helping us um, as households to relate to God, helping us as households to have spiritual conversations, helping us as households to extend hospitality. Um, pick one of those and dive in. Yeah, let's let's talk about prayer. Uh, Great. You know, you're right. If, you know, my parents didn't pray with me when I was growing up. And so when I had kids... I wanted to pray with them and I didn't know what to pray. <laughs> mm. And yeah. and so uh, and one of the things that we find is, is that praying uh, together as a household nurtures the faith uh, within the household. I, I remember uh, one of the dads in the class uh, th- that I gave this learning lab, uh, he was almost in tears and, and he was saying, Don, I don't know how to pray. Uh, I don't know what to say out loud. I've never really prayed out loud. But, you know, he was trying to grow in his faith, trying to go for it. And so here's here's one of the fun things that the research said. The research didn't say uh, if you pray really well, your uh, household will be spiritually vibrant. It just said you you try, you pray. And so I told this, I told this dad, I said fine. I said that's totally fine. So just start by asking someone to pray. Like you know, you're, you're the dad, and you can say, hey, you know, before we uh, pull out of the driveway for the vacation, I think one of us should pray for the vacation. Can one of you pray? And he's like, I can do that. And I said, sure. Now, eventually you're going to want to pray. <laughs> but uh, that's one of the things the research told us is often you just need someone to kind of spark the conversation. You need someone to spark the prayer. You need someone to spark the time in the scripture just through just through nudging. So that's one of the fun things that we found. And, and one of the things that we found is uh, the presence of kids in a household. Uh, this is an interesting reality related to prayer. 
Uh, I remember having young kids and thinking, you know, just feeling frazzled all the time. Like, I don't, I don't know how to get laundry done, let alone, you know, spiritually nurture my kids. But one of the findings is actually that where kids are present, uh, there is more prayer that happens. And the same is true for being in the Bible where kids are present. It, families tend to be in the Bible more and they tend to talk about their faith more as well. And so there's, there's this kind of nurturing that happens uh, when kids are in the household. One other thing the research told us that relates to prayer and the others, uh, the research tells us that if a whole household is together, so not just two people paired off, but if everyone is all together, the odds are they're eating a meal. So the most common thing that brings a whole household together is a meal. And so one of the things that we talk about in the book is like work with the grain. So have meal time. Think of little ways, little nudges, little things you can do. And it doesn't matter if you're in a restaurant or at home. The research showed no different than that. But when you're around a table together, to, there's little things that you can do to nurture prayer, to nurture time in the Bible, and to have spiritual conversations. So uh, we have lots of ideas in, this, in, in the book about how to capitalize on mealtime. So good. Um, capitalize on mealtime, capitalize on travel time. Um, mm-hmm. I find that when, you know, when you're traveling with your family and then all of a sudden, you know, traffic stops, we have this tendency to, you know, check our watches, figure out how much longer this is going to take. We start to grow frustrated We, um, I mean, I don't know when this happened. I mean, I can tell you that now it happens regularly. We started praying for what, whatever it was, whoever it was that was at the front, at the front of this, because something really terrible has happened in their day. Um, and you know, it's slowing us down. Um, it's making us later than we thought we were going to be, but we trust God and we thank him that we're safe and that we, you know, the air conditioning's working, like whatever, right? Thank him for all the things that we can be thankful for in the moment and pray for the people at the front of this mess. Um, because, mm-hmm. you know, again, you know, their their day has been derailed in ways that ours has not. Um, mm-hmm. I have a, a youngest son who has some special needs and he just started his very first job and so his sister and I were standing there as he was headed off to his very first shift and, you know, said, how are you feeling? He says, I'm, I'm a little nervous. So we just stood right there and we both laid hands on him and we just prayed for him. You know, that, you know, the, and um, I think that working, you know, school's coming up. Like, let's be praying with our kids about not yeah. only, you know, school starting and but the anxiety and stress they have related to that and school clothes and school supplies and the kids that don't have either one. I mean, like, let's, you know, be mindful of the opportunities that God gives us every day in a myriad yeah. of ways to um to to pray and to weave it in um nat- much you know more and more naturally into um into our family life it's awkward at first it it's awkward at first but so what yeah that's right that's right and, and just do something i i love those just those little nudges the little things you know for scripture when I was doing the research, I was convicted like, man, I need, you know, I give sermons to my family every week because I'm their pastor. But like, are we doing it in the household? So I started taking uh, highlighters or, or pardon me, dry erase pens and just writing a single verse on our front window uh, mm. and, in, and in the mirrors in the bathroom. And, and we, didn't, I didn't, we didn't even talk about it uh, at first. I just started writing a verse and it was like, this is going to be our verse for the week. And I didn't like give a little sermonette. We didn't necessarily have a devotional, but then the kids were like, why are you writing on the window of the front door? And it's like, well, 
you know, literally in Deuteronomy 6, it says, write the word of God, you know, on your doorposts. And so I just said, I just want us to be confronted by, you know, God's word in our life. And this is why I chose this one. And hey, who wants to choose next week's verse? I love that. It's so beautiful. All right. The Spiritually Vibrant Home, we want to empower and equip you with us. So uh, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Don, as always, thank you so much for being here. Great to be with you, Carmen. All right, everybody. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.